welcome to yet another episode of our podcast series alumni talkies my name is harun and i'm delighted to be your host for the day with us today from the 2007 batch is the, is mr ritu joy chakraborty ritu joy is currently the group manager product strategy in royal enfield where as a global lead he helps develop aspirational royal enfield motorcycle he has more than 17 years of experience working with leading names like pvs motor company bajaj auto limited mahindra group and more thank you so much sir for joining us today hope you're doing well uh thank you harun uh doing well i hope you guys are staying safe i don't know if you're in campus or if you're at home but wherever you are i'm sure you know you're taking utmost precautions the pandemic is still not gone i mean this is a bit of a you no know, pause i just hope you know things get better from here you know uh, here after yes sir we are taking all the necessary precautions and we also hope for the best moving ahead sir as you've worn multiple hats in the professional journey working in sales brand management and currently in product strategy uh, what would be some skills you feel an inspiring marketer currently who is still in college should try and inculcate so as to be better equipped for the industry sure um, happy to have that question um, and a quick uh, uh you know a disclaimer for the listeners i've got a bit of a cough today so please in, in case in between there is a bit of a disturbance in between please forgive me so uh, first of all very happy to be you know interacting even at a virtual uh, level you know with my alma mater very fond memories of smhrd and uh, i'm sure you know you're a bright you know bunch of young guys over there and you know wish i could be there with you uh, interacting individually but in in the current scenario well this will have to do a uh, interesting question uh, let me try and break that up into the certain experiences and learnings i've had over the years i think the most most important thing is in marketing you still remain you know very committed and remain focused on the fundamentals i mean as boring and as uh, you know archaic the four p's may sound and i believe now there are six p's and eight p's and god knows how many p's in our days it was quite simply the four p's and it was kotler believe you me the fundamentals have not changed it's still the same you still you know focus on product positioning price place and that's pretty much it i mean and obviously there are ancillaries you know you you do focus on but the fundamentals remain the same no matter which industry which category you're working on you know as long as you're focused on the on the fundamentals it is just a matter of calibration that is number one the okay. second thing that i would um, you know that i would advise and that is something that i have you know inculcated from people wiser and more experienced than me over the years is having empathy for the customer ever you know feel that the customer you know knows less than you because you passed out from this fancy b school and the customer is sitting in some you know some small town in 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 suburban rural india the customer is ultimately making a choice you know with his or her hard earned money of her family in between choosing your product over the competition so the customer is is doing something every day which involves a lot of uh, you know decision a lot of conviction and ultimately he or she is putting faith in your brand and your product and your service so my suggestion is never you know when you are in marketing never talk down to the customer rather talk to the customer we all know what david ogilvy says is a customer you know is not stupid the customer is your wife so i think the the age old adage still holds true so always have empathy for the customer this is something that i believe is very very important and i have you know personally seen that it works third is uh, and a third and i think the most important thing in marketing that i think and this is getting lost sometime in in this age of social media and the age of you know more and more and more i think less is more 
and i think this is something that i feel very you know very strongly not only on a professional level but even on a personal level when you declutter your your own space your own working table your own you know your own home your own working you know environment your own mind what happens is you're able to focus more on what you really want to do and what you really want to say similarly when it comes to marketing communication i think there is a tendency or there is a risk that we try and say you know ye bhi hai wo bhi hai ye bhi le lo wo bhi le lo and you try and ultimately make a hash of everything that you're trying to say in contrast to that if you were to say very sharply that look this is what i am about this is what my brand and my product is about what you do is you leave a message in the mind of the customer which doesn't go away that easily and whenever the customer has to think of you know a certain product or a service that he requires your brand should pop up in his mind subconsciously i think that is something that you achieve by being sharp by being focused so i think less is more is is a very old saying but i think that again has become very relevant in today's world when we are bombarded by messages on social media when we are bombarded by communication and i think that's something that uh, you know i would really advise you know my my young friends to inculcate uh, as they go forward in their in their you know upcoming careers great sir i'm sure these points would add a lot of value and give a perspective to the bunch of students still in college still looking to be professional marketers Sure. And in your answer, you mentioned about uh, marketing in other industries as well. So now that you've worked with major players in the automobile industry, and you said that the core remains the same, could you please elaborate a bit on that? How the marketing core remains the same, irrespective of the industry that we are talking about? Well, I'm not the right person to comment on the other industries. I mean. I have very close friends who are ex-classmates from Simbi and other places who are working in FMCG, who are working in consumer durables, who are working in telecom and so on and so forth. I mean, I think they are the right persons to comment on this. Of course, we have a lot of you know long conversations, chats, debates, arguments, and and it, it's it's a lot of fun. I think the principles remain the same. I mean, principles, fundamentals, whatever we call it. I think the principles remain the same. That is something that I have learned from them over all these years. I think what differs what differs is the calibration. Like when you're selling a shampoo when, versus when you're selling a car or a bike. I think in the shampoo, the the communication, the messaging takes preeminence because ultimately one shampoo versus another. Not to take away anything from the shampoo industry, it's 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 a billion trillion dollar business, I'm sure. So the the the, the difference is the con, the consumers, you know, probably the involvement with a Maybe a fifty rupee bottle or a hundred rupee bottle of shampoo is not as high as that. Maybe with a ten lakh rupee car. So how do you sell shampoo versus how do you sell a car? I think the consumer involvement is different. So your quality and your focus on messaging on the shampoo becomes far more important and far more impactful than maybe your communication on a car ad because ultimately the car stands for itself. It has to, and a car is very different from another car. you can't put two cars together and say okay you know it's a apples to apples comparison that never will be you know any any product which is a high uh, consumer involvement category there will never be apples to apples comparison so i think the the focus on communication is the reason to believe that okay how is this you know impacting your love how does abs help you you know how does ventilated seats help you and so on and so forth so how do these so selling the the sub parts the features more than the vehicle itself i mean many car companies automobile companies have started you know tried selling a lifestyle some have succeeded companies which like like my own company royal enfield we don't sell sub parts of a of a bike but we sell or rather we sell the dream you know the lifestyle of owning a royal enfield and what it does to your life you know 
we say you know be reborn which basically says uh, you know rediscover yourself rediscover the world rediscover the joy of riding so that's a very different way of saying uh, of selling a vehicle rather than selling you know a certain feature of a vehicle and i think certain companies have succeeded in it certain companies have failed however when it comes to i think the more fmcg the lesser ticket price the lesser uh, consumer involvement categories the messaging style is very different because ultimately the product that is selling is is a, in a completely different ball game exactly that does make sense moving ahead and diving a bit deeper into the automobile industry <laughs> the market requirements and marketing strategies vary from region to region uh, based on a variety of socio economic factors so having worked in mtd for the latin america and <laughs> africa regions how stark was the difference in customer expectations of the products in comparison to india and what could future marketers as well as current industry giants in the automobile sector change in order to make access to the products easier okay so quite a long question with a lot of sub questions in between i'll i'll try and answer the bits which i you know which i understood very clearly latin america uh, africa india okay so to begin with i think these are extremely different geographies and in some ways are very similar in some ways so if you look at africa i'll talk about africa first because i spend uh, you know considerable amount of time traveling and visiting and you know going deep into the countries uh, you know we're uh, going deep into around you know 15 20 countries i've visited across the continent so well first of all there's no one africa there is africa is a continent of 54 countries there is what we call the sub saharan africa which is essentially you know the kenya tanzania and, and the west africa the francophone the french speaking africa there is what is the northern africa which is essentially a desert country the sahara and the and the arab countries you know so egypt morocco and, and tunisia and, and those countries and then you have the southern africa which is essentially south africa namibia and so on and so forth so there are many africas within africa i mean like india you know we have like thousands of languages africa has thousands of languages thousands of cultural uh, denominations thousands tens of thousands of tribes uh, hundreds of religions and and so on and so forth so africa you know clubbing africa into one i think would be an injustice to the continent having said that the major part of the of the business that is concentrated in in certain areas i think uh it's it's a it's a it's on a growth path uh the countries uh, you know that where majorly the indian companies like bajaj and tvs tata mahindra they are selling i think they are still on a growth path the countries have huge aspirations they are looking for personal mobility they are looking for uh, better solutions you know that improve the quality of their lives and their families so i think uh, right now uh, it is at a stage which is maybe where maybe india was 20 20 25 years back personal transportation is you know just about starting over people's ability to purchase is increasing and uh, it's right now it's more of uh, entry point and value based purchases rather than more of let's say lifestyle and you know discretionary purchases so africa huge opportunity it's absolutely the sunrise continent it is without doubt the 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 growth you know driver of the future so i think for anybody who has opportunities in africa i would absolutely support and you know encourage you to consider those opportunities it's a fantastic place to learn explore it's a fascinating continent it's a vast place it's beautiful it's green it's cold it's hot the people are you know warm the people are friendly the people 
uh, appeared you know sometimes you know to be intimidating but they're not they're just it's a, it's a great place to be so if you do get time do spend time in africa i mean that is what i would say both as a maybe whether you're in sales whether you're in marketing whether you're in product development it doesn't matter it's a great place to go and learn and see what the future is headed coming to latin america now latin america is very interesting they're essentially europe's poorer cousins i mean in in a way i mean they're essentially europeans they, they you know they derive their ancestry uh, back to europe uh, or to indigenous populations in in south america uh, they have european tastes uh, at the same time they appreciate value their you know their uh, approach to uh, purchase is quite similar to indians they are ultimately looking for value like indians we are not price conscious i always say this we are value conscious you show an indian value he will spend you know much more than you expect him to i think latin americans in many ways are the same the only difference is i think indians we have a very robust uh, culture of saving i think latin americans are more about you know uh, let me party and enjoy life and i'll think about tomorrow when tomorrow comes so i think this is a difference in approach as a big result of which uh, there is a lot of purchase on loan a purchase on financing so most of the stuff that maybe latin americans will buy is maybe more based on financing whereas indians we have a habit that maybe we'll try and you know put down maybe a substantial amount of money uh, up front and reduce my interest cost because we just feel that is more financially more prudent well there are two views to that but this is a difference in culture but i think fundamentally the aspirations are very similar they have already you know acquired the basic things in life life as indians have and now they're looking for the next step you know the next uh, uh, you know discretionary uh, purchases a better car a better home a better bike so i think that's i think we're on a similar growth curve as most parts of uh, south america is so when it comes to the marketing strategies when it comes to the new product development strategies you will be surprised to know that many companies now in india who are among the biggest you know companies like bajaj tvs royal enfield uh, mahindra tata and so on and so forth they are among the biggest in their categories in the world not just in india but globally now today all these companies that i mentioned they have a global footprint you know most of them have uh, businesses in at least you know 40 to 50 countries some even more than that around the world so many of them when they actually develop the new products they actually develop keeping you know india in mind of course which is of course the home market and one of the biggest but they also keep in mind markets like latin america uh, maybe parts of uh, uh, middle east parts even of uh, maybe southeast asia south asia like bangladesh nepal and uh, even you know parts of north africa as well southern africa to some extent as well so i think the globe the, the the planet is definitely globalized i mean the term may be you you know overused and maybe old but you know as far as indian companies are concerned today we are we are actually global i mean today all these companies that i mentioned they are effectively they are mnc's so their marketing and product development strategies follow the same footprint yes sir thank you that does give a deeper understanding of the whole picture at a global level so considering sustainability has become a need of the hour a lot of two wheeler automobile brands have entered the ev market the electric vehicle market is that a possible future for royal enfield as well while maintaining its cult image difficult to answer this without getting into the areas which are more confidential and specific to a particular company rather let me talk about what is happening in in the overall two wheeler space when it comes to electrification i think uh, electrification is surely you know here to stay it is something that is going to grow by leaps and bounds in the time to come i think what we have to be cognizant of is what is the application of the vehicles that we are talking about so whether it is 
scooters it is bikes it is maybe something like powered bicycles or even cars and suvs to that extent i think the application will dictate the level of electrification i mean obviously the government will have a say in it you know they will incentivize and disincentivize disincentivize uh, certain practices ha- having said that i think the ultimately what you know when when it comes to the customer and the customer's choices and the customer you know uses a vehicle in a certain way that application will dictate which segment of electrification takes off and which doesn't you know, do so well so for example i mean i can see the usage case, the use case of scooters you know for short distance traveling in urban centers like you know delhi bombay pune bangalore whatever i think whenever it comes to a short distance travel i think scooters the, the case for electrification becomes you know very clear because you know electric vehicles have a limitation when it comes to range you can increase range by increasing the size of the battery but you increase the size of the battery the overall weight of the vehicle goes up uh the cost of the the battery is very high because it's largely imported even till now and there's obviously a you know fair amount of duties and taxes on it so as you keep on increasing the range of the vehicle the cost and the weight of the vehicle goes up it's very pretty much linear you know over there so will electrification take off in very uh, in a large way you know for every application i have my doubts uh some i think will do better than others having said that uh will there be any segment which will have zero electrification i doubt that as well i think almost every segment of the auto industry uh, whether you know from the largest trucks you know to the smallest uh, scooters the smallest bikes i think will have an electric uh, option or an electric solution in the future i think the only difference will be that uh, you know which one does better which one does uh, which is more you know widely accepted and which is not so widely accepted and that will come down to the customer at the end of the day right sir looking forward to <clears throat> what the future has in store so since we are talking about uh, electric vehicles what's your uh, take on innovation in the industry is it driven solely by the competition or there are other factors involved as well oh uh, very nice very interesting question innovation i think is driven by two things you have definitely hit upon one which is competition i think the second thing that drives innovation is a customer and the customer demands i'll give you a quick example of what happens when you don't have innovation you look at our neighboring country pakistan i mean i have no fundamental you know disrespect or antagonism towards pakistan towards the civilian population of course you know militarily politically we have our differences and rightfully so i mean we know you know no indian through self respecting indian will accept terrorism as a as a tool of state policy having said that if i leave that aside if i look at the 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 general population the civilian population and i look at the state of the two wheeler industry in pakistan i don't know if anybody has you know looked into it or do look into it you know just google it and see the kind of vehicle that you know are being sold in that country it's a, it's a it's a terrible state where it's terrible state of you know affairs where lack of competition has led to a stagnation where a lack of development of homegrown brands has led to a stagnation of a market i mean today companies you know certain japanese companies without naming them are selling products which are stuck maybe not in the 80s but maybe in the 70s if not in the 60s and people are buying them because they have absolutely no option i mean there's a huge population you know who are poor who cannot afford a car even a second hand car so their only mode of transportation and public transportation we know is 
not really the best in south asia whether it's india pakistan or doesn't matter you know neighboring other countries as well but what happens is because they cannot afford any other mode of transportation so they have they are forced to buy either these absolutely substandard chinese products you know because china and pakistan have an open door policy or they are you know forced to buy these archaic and you know almost ancient japanese products which are you know being sold in the country the reason is very simple there has been no competition there has been no encouragement you know of domestic players to set up their own r&d their you know the own manufacturing uh, and as a result of which i mean it, it's almost like a closed market you know you can there are only maybe two three players you know few couple of japanese players couple of chinese players and they sell you know whatever junk whatever you know they 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 that they wish to sell and the customer has pretty much no option i mean if you look at what they're selling over there if you look at what's selling in india it's almost like there's a you know that has happened between you know just across the border i mean for that i credit companies you know like indian companies like bajaj tvs royal enfield who 20 25 years back decided that you know this is our market and we are going to make some world class products i compliment you know companies like tata and mahindra who are making products that today you know can stand uh, you know shoulder to shoulder to with the best in the world so i think the fostering the sense of competition which i think the indian uh, you know the, the the indian political system has done it has uh, disincentivized the import of second hand cars and bikes from across the world which many countries have not it is extremely difficult and expensive to import cars and bikes in india whether new or used so obviously that gives a strong uh, you know incentive and gives a strong you know a uh, launching pad for indian homegrown companies to start investing and developing their own products their own talent and that is exactly what has happened over the last 20 25 years and i feel very proud to be a part of that process that has happened over the last you know two decades and today these products are you know world class today the, the technologies that we have our engine technologies our designs i mean today you know to people talk about frugal engineering this term was born in india you know how to you know derive the best uh, out of an engine out of a process out of a system this is india has taught the world you know it's not the japanese or the europeans it's indian technology and indian engineering you know that is teaching the world how to be efficient and you know how to do best you know with resources and uh, still deliver a great product so i think uh, the the ability to have that that environment where you develop your own your own companies your own infrastructure you know your own talent your own r&d that has played a huge role in innovation and fostering the sense of competition in india and second is of course having a you know vibrant population that is demanding that is not going to accept something simply because it's made in india or it's an indian company today you know an indian product has to stand up against the best of japan the best of korea the best of europe and still the customer makes a choice and puts his or her hard earned money in choosing a product i think that is a true test and that is what keeps everybody on their toes and keeps us doing our best every day so i hope that answers my, your question uh, harun yes absolutely sir and in fact i'm glad to know these insights how india has contributed at a global level and you also talked yeah. about the customers taste i think uh, today the customers preference has also changed a lot and there have been concerns about the environment as well right and mm-hmm. automobiles ideally are considered to be contributing to the environmental degradation to a great extent so are there any age old trends and ideologies in the industry that you feel can be restructured to reduce the impact okay so let me uh, tell you this you people you know 
often you know make uh, automobile industry as you know the dartboard to throw darts at when it comes to environmental degradation and i don't blame you personally or anybody personally for it because that has become pretty much the norm and the culture you know every whenever there's a there's a gray sky in delhi you know people start blaming the cars you know they forget about all the other factories and the stubble burning in in the neighboring areas of delhi and so on and so forth what people don't realize is today india for example has probably the world's toughest norms when it comes to uh, emissions so today in india since april 1st 2020 we have what is called the bharat stage 6 norms on emission so along with the euro 5 norms which is prevalent across europe euro 5 and bs6 bharat stage 6 are among the toughest emission norms in the world and today a single vehicle in india petrol diesel cng electric has i mean doesn't matter everybody electric it's, it's irrelevant but for any internal combustion engine whether it's petrol diesel or cng no vehicle in india today can be sold unless and until it meets the bs6 norms so i think that is the first answer when it comes to people who question that you know uh, why should you know cars be allowed at all well if you can have a wholesale you know electrification of the public uh, of the private transport system if you can set up an infrastructure which is going to the last mile and ability to charge and swap batteries if you can ensure uh, you know an electrification which is uh the power is not derived by burning fossil fuels and coal but the power is derived entirely from let's say hydropower and and renewables other renewables like solar but even to some extent maybe even nuclear power well then i am on board with that argument you know i have i mean i'm very very conscious of the environment i mean i i am a you know uh, self confessed uh, greeny at heart so i mean i would be the first person to you know accept and propagate you know certain uh, such changes the the reality is we're still a growing country we still have a you know a vehicle power penetration which is among the lowest in the world you know for a population of our size i mean the number of vehicles that we have on the road is still has a percentage i mean far lower than than in you know, most of the leading uh, western or you know far eastern countries so i think uh, blaming the auto industry whether it's the two wheel or the car industry i think you know for environmental degradation is fairly you know short sighted and you know does not include the larger picture at hand i think the auto industry has been a leader when it comes to you know clean technology of course there have been certain black sheep you know things like diesel gate and you know certain companies trying to cheat the emission norms i think that was a very dark phase and i think the companies who were part of that i think i'm sure they have learned their lesson you know again without taking any names but by and large i think the auto industry has not only contributed you know to you know making transportation efficient uh, you know environment friendly and as safe as it can be today you know as it this is you know humanly possible not only in india but globally i think the the kind of the technology which has actually been developed in auto industry some of them actually trickle down to other facets of the you know of, of human life and they actually make our society better so i think we have to be a little bit more fair with auto industry when it comes to environmental degradation i think the industry is doing a fantastic job when it comes to corporate responsibility and i think uh, looking at the way at, at the fast pace at which the industry is adopting you know electrification and uh, and sustainable technology i think the auto industry will continue to set uh, benchmarks when it comes to uh, environmental uh, stewardship and environmental uh, responsibility
looking forward to it sir and that does give a perspective of where we are headed both as a nation and uh, as the industry so keeping the time in mind allow me to go ahead with the last question for the day and sure. uh, centered towards the students and the listeners so there are a lot of verticals in marketing so someone without a pre mba marketing experience might have difficulty in deciding which line to follow so how do you suggest our listeners deal with such a situation just go with your heart i mean it might sound cliched and you know romantic but just go with your heart i mean i mean i believed in the industry that i always you know followed i was you know when you're in mba you know there's a lot of glamour around fmcg and and you know uh, corporate banking so just go with your heart i mean if fmcg you know uh, excites you go with fmcg don't run after fmcg because or you know maybe it's where the big bucks are or corporate banking is because the big bucks are because eventually that will fade out you know i think if there's something that makes you wake up every day in the morning excited to go to work that this is something that i want to do and i you know this makes me happy i think that is the vertical whether it's in marketing finance doesn't matter do something that really interests you because ultimately here you you're an mba you know you're not a uh, you know today you're not a, a heart surgeon or you're not Jane Goodall saving the you know the gorillas in Uganda you've chosen a certain path which is you know a corporate you know a path of a corporate life uh, within that choose something that makes you happy that makes you want to go up and you know go to work every day i think i would not elaborate on that because uh, the elaboration would not hold true for each and every vertical i chose something i was very focused on auto industry because that is where you know i mean it really made me happy growing up as a kid Uh, in Tokyo, I mean, I grew up around cars and bikes, and the love for cars and bikes, you know, kind of started there, and that love, you know, became an interest, and that interest became a profession. So I think I would, you know, suggest everybody to just, you know, do what you know that really makes you happy. Do something that makes you want to get up in the morning and go to work. Great, uh, that was really an insightful and interesting session with you, sir. And I hope that our listeners uh, have valuable takeaways from this episode. Thank you so much for talking to us. Yeah, thank you very much, Arun. I think um, this was fun. This is something that I've not done before. This was a you know something that I was a bit nervous because you know speaking uh, to you know a young bright bunch of people who are my alma mater after you know, so many years. Uh, obviously, I had a, a few butterflies, but I enjoyed the session. And thank you for so much for the opportunity to talk to you guys. And hope to see you guys in person sometime soon. You're most welcome, sir. We hope for the same. Thank you. Thank you Have very a good much. Day. You too, guys. Bye bye.